lot of good stuff today. Really great stuff. Missionary work. We're still working on the creation of Zion. Sacrifice, forgiveness. The Lord's requiring specific things of his members, and especially his missionaries. Yeah. So welcome. Before we get into our discussions, should we follow up on what we read? Yeah, let's do it. So we're talking about sessions 64 to 66 today. There are major contentions that are arising between the members of the church and the society. The Lord is going to counsel them regarding forgiveness. He's going to teach them to forgive each other especially. And he's going to remind them the importance of serving each other and being righteous and doing good things to each other. Yeah, he's also going to remind the saints that the keys of the kingdom are committed to the earth. And he's going to instruct them to call upon the Lord that his kingdom may go forth. The Lord's also going to give a special revelation to William McClellan. He's going to answer some very specific questions. So we're going to focus our discussion today on three specific topics. Uh, the first is sacrifice. Why do we need to do it? The second is uh, this idea of the Lord requiring a willing heart and a willing mind. What exactly does that mean? And then living the principle of forgiveness. What does forgiveness entail and why is it important? So to help us dive deeper into these scriptures, to understand them better, and also to apply them more in our lives today, we have invited our friend Chris Randall to talk with us about these scriptures. So Chris, would you mind coming up? Thanks. It's our pleasure. Thank you for coming. So Chris Randall, you have a uh, doctorate in instructional psychology from BYU. You are the former director of the MTC and the former director of the missionary department. You are also the mission president of the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania mission. Right. And you are currently the assistant executive secretary to the first presidency. Before we get into our discussion, I'm wondering, was there anything in these sections that really kind of stuck out to you or that was especially meaningful to you? Well, I love the element of sacrifice through all of this because we, we saw that so much with the missionaries, what they would give up to come out and serve. And the Lord was always willing to help them. If they were willing to give, mm -hmm. he was willing to compensate and bless them. It was just remarkable to see and to see it in these verses. Excellent. Thanks. So maybe we can jump right into it and, and talk. Uh, focus our first topic on sacrifice. So in these sections, clearly the Lord is requiring a major sacrifice of his members and his leaders. We have missionaries that are going to be called. They're leaving their spouses. They're leaving their children. They're going to Missouri, some of them. Some of them are leaving to go to Kirtland, some to go to Hiram. There's this major movement that's going on, and there's a sacrifice that's, frankly, very monetarily significant. But as well, the Lord is going to require a major sacrifice of these people and who they, who they are, their own desires, in order to fulfill the will and desires of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, Chris and, and our audience, why is sacrifice productive for us? Why is it useful? Why does the Lord require so much of us? You know, I, I think there are two things I noticed, particularly with the missionaries. Um, the first is sacrifice gets you out of your comfort zone so quickly. Mm -hmm. And a mission does that, but there's lots of other things that do that. And it causes the missionaries to turn to God. The other thing that I thought was interesting is that sacrifice never happens, it seems, in isolation. There's somebody else with you in that. And mm -hmm. if, if you're willing to be open to what you can learn, it just, it just can connect you to the people you're with in, in a really remarkable way that I think ties you both to the Savior as well. Yeah, and I love that idea that the Lord asking us to do things which creates a, a stronger bond between us and him and between us and one another, yes. right? It's about, he's trying to form us as a kind of, as a body, as the body of Christ. Exactly, as well. yeah. exactly. So where have you seen uh, sacrifice as a blessing? What has your sacrifice or a sacrifice of someone else strengthened your relationship? Yeah, Leslie, please. Uh, one of the greatest things that we can give as a sacrifice is our time. And even from callings that we serve in to, um, Bigger, bigger issues that we need to devote time to. With that, uh, my father, who was uh, 
ill and I was the only person that could take care of him. And it was a sacrifice of my time that was a sacred time. And I felt the, the Savior's love very strong during that time to help build me. And so um, it gave me that opportunity to build my relationship with my father, but also with the Savior as well. Thank you for that. Yeah, Ricardo. So I think the sacrifice is a great strengthener, is that a word? <laughs> of relationships. You know, I know that through marriage, you know, being married, how we sacrifice, especially uh, in our case, we had to sacrifice a lot because we couldn't have kids for a long time. We had to actually have uh, in vitro uh, fertilization. Now that, that, that was a big burden for us, but that strengthened us, it strengthened our marriages as we went and struggled together. We realized the love that we had for each other. And not only when you sacrifice for somebody, you, you tend to love them even more. When it wasn't so easy to sacrifice, what helped you to kind of get over the hump and actually sacrifice something? Hope, I think, is the driving force in that because you're always hoping for a better mm. outcome or a better day or a solution or a relief. And having that conviction that that can come helps you kind of go through the, the obstacles that come along. It's oh, a beautiful thought. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I think about this section as well in verse 23, and it says, Behold, now it is called today until the coming of the Son of Man, and verily it is a day of sacrifice and a day for the tithing of my people. For he that is tithed shall not burn at his coming. And I think about this idea of this, this willing mind. I mean, sometimes we can think, dang, tithing is costing me 10%. I mean, this is a lot of money. But at the same time, the, the blessings that are associated with, I remember President or Elder Holland talking specifically about the reason why he pays his tithing in a talk called The Water Garden. And he says, basically, I, I want to give something back. Like he recognizes his love for the Lord, who the Lord is, and how much the Lord has given to him. One of the reasons he pays his tithing is because he wants to give something back. I, I think one of the things that helps us to have a willing mind and a willing heart is knowing God. When we know who he is, we want to give all that we have. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to what Ricardo was saying is, I mean, the idea that when we know who God is and know what kind of sacrifices he has made for us, that just increases our love for him and our desire to give to him. And I think kind of what you were asking too, Chris and Ricardo as well, you were talking about the hope. And I would say another reason that many people sacrifice is, is because of love. We, Christ loved us first. And so we, we love him. We want to sacrifice for him. We, we love our, our parents. We love our children. We love our neighbors. And the more we love them, the more desirous we are to sacrifice for them because we want to help. Elder Maxwell has a great quote where he says, the submission of one's will is really the only uniquely personal thing we have to place on God's altar. The many other things we give to God are actually things he has already given us and he has loaned them to us. But when we begin to submit ourselves by letting our wills be swallowed up in God's will, then we are willing to give something to him. There is a part of us that is ultimately sovereign, the mind and heart and when we submit to his will, then we've really given him the one thing he asks of us. God doesn't need our money. He doesn't necessarily even want our money, but he does want our hearts and he does want our minds because that's the only way we can become like him. So this has been an excellent discussion uh, of sacrifice. Now maybe we can transition and talk a little bit more about what it means to have a willing heart and a willing mind. So I love this, this part in these scriptures where the Lord is again, we've, we've talked over, over and over again about how the Lord is calling these missionaries and they're called to settle different areas as well and called to move. But 
there's a story specifically of this servant um, in verse 20 of section 64, you see Isaac Morley. And in the scriptures it says, and again, I say unto you, this is the revelation from the Lord to Isaac through Joseph, that my servant Isaac Morley may not be tempted above that which he is able to bear and counsel wrongfully to your hurt. I give commandment that his farm should be sold. And I, I, <laughs> I look at this, I just think, uh, wait a second. The Lord is commanding somebody to sell Isaac Morley's farm and where is, where is his say in this? And what is his reaction and things? And, and Isaac actually does allow for his farm to be sold. He could have said, no, he could have said, this is my farm, I'm not going to do this. But he recognizes in a sense that, that the Lord is right. As you continue on and it says, and after that day, I, the Lord, will not hold any guilty that shall go with an open heart up to the land of Zion for I, the Lord, require the hearts of the children of men. Whatever it was that happened to Isaac Morley, he was willing to sell his farm and he becomes a very righteous follower of Jesus Christ. He's willing to sell his farm. He's giving up his heart. He's giving up his will. He's giving up his mind to do those things to the Lord. And he becomes one of the strongest um, followers of Jesus Christ. And his love of Jesus Christ continues to increase as we can see as he follows through. And, and a question I have for you, Chris, I mean, we're talking about the sacrifice. We're talking about Isaac Morley. We're talking about others, but... But what about our missionaries today? I mean, again, you've been a mission president. You've been uh, the director of the MTC. Can you give us a little bit of an idea of, of the real sacrifice that these missionaries are being asked to give, especially in regards to their heart and mind? Yeah. Well, I, I think the obvious sacrifices we think of are leaving family and friends, going a long ways away, living in conditions that sometimes they're totally not used to, even if it's in the same country. Uh, I think those are the obvious ones. Um, the one, though, that... I think really stands out to me is missionaries put themselves in a very vulnerable place when it comes to talking to others. They're sharing things that they believe deeply enough to want to go out and serve. And they approach people who may not have any interest at all. And it's a real sacrifice to put yourself out there. And it's a real example of their willingness to do that. And so I think that was one of the most enduring examples is just their willingness to put their heart and mind out there for the people they're trying to reach. Yeah, that's really good. These missionaries are going to Missouri. So there are individuals who are frankly very upset that they have to walk to Missouri while they know that the First Presidency, especially the Prophet and Sidney Rigdon, are going to be on horses. And they actually express this frustration with the First Presidency. Like, How, why is it that we're walking and you're riding on a horse? But they don't recognize that Joseph has already traveled a lot. He's already given so much for the Lord. The two of them as a couple have just lost a baby. He's just buried his child. And he's leaving that situation to go help the saints in Missouri on his own free will. And I wonder sometimes, again, now back to your expertise and your experiences, what about the first presidency? What, what can we learn from, from the first presidency, perhaps the Quorum of the Twelve, and the sacrifices that they give? Uh, well, we, we may not have any better example right now over the last little while of, than of President Nelson speaking of, of losing family members. Um, just being around the office when um, some of that happened, um, it, it's, it's remarkable to see both his willingness to talk about it publicly, but what probably a lot of people don't see, and I never really thought about until I was working there, is that they keep going. They go day after day working on the things they're working on, even though life is happening to them and to their families. And so I think in that sense, there's a lot of similarity between Joseph's time and President Nelson's time. Such a great example. And one of the things I like about this, I mean, he's speaking, if I'm not mistaken, to, to individuals who's going to be, who are going to be preaching the gospel. Yeah. Um, 
He doesn't say, I require you need to be, you know, a good rhetorician or a good scriptorian. He just wants people who are malleable, who are willing to do what he says with the promise that he's going to make up the difference, right? He doesn't expect us to be more than we are. He just expects us to be open to him making us to what we could be, right? I think uh, kind of thinking about all these things that God asks of us can be a little bit, I don't know, exhausting or overwhelming. Just like, oh, I just have to give and give and give. And it's a little bit tiring. And there's language in here, this idea of being wary and well-doing. And we have a video from a viewer at home who asked a question about this. What does it mean to be uh, to sacrifice but also not become weary? Hello, we're the Godly Family from New Hall, California. We as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have a lot of service to do. So our question is, how do we serve the Lord with our heart and a willing mind and not feel weary in that service? Don't know if you in the audience have a, a thought on that. Yeah, please. So I was feeling rather weary recently. <laughs> um, and I kind of got an answer from the Lord. I was praying and he, and he basically told me, you're not doing what I want you to do. You're doing what you think you need to do. And it was kind of revelatory. And basically, I needed to pray to the Lord, find out what he needed. And they were small things, but great things have happened. And that's one of the blessings of sacrifices. Not only do we get to serve people, but we get to be part of something greater. The Lord will take our little offerings and do amazing things sometimes. A great comment. Yeah, Thank you. That's really good. You're looking specifically at verse 33. I'm going to read that because I think that's such a great verse. He says, Wherefore, be not weary in well-doing, for ye are laying the foundation of a great work, and out of small things proceedeth that which is great. It's so true. I, I think we, we talk about prophetic priorities and what the prophet is asking us to do, what the Lord is asking us to do, and we can really wear ourselves out by running around trying to put out fires that the Lord isn't even asking us to put out, or by accomplishing things that really, frankly, are perhaps not very important. Uh, but if we focus on these small things, if we focus, I appreciate you saying that. What is it that the Lord has for a priority for us? And really taking the time to figure that out. It's beautiful. Thank you for that. That's a great thought. Now, Chris, I wonder, in your capacity as a mission president or even just as a missionary yourself, I know you probably had to counsel with your missionaries sometimes who felt physically and spiritually exhausted from the work they had to do. Um, what did those conversations look like? How did you help them um, not be overcome by weariness in their well-doing? I think one of the challenges they have, and I think we all have when we're asked to do something uh, either in our own lives or for the church, is you immediately want to compare yourself with the best you've ever seen or the mm -hmm. people who are done. I've got to be this person right away. And the Lord doesn't work that way. He works with us line upon line, precept upon precept. And mm -hmm. there's that phrase that King Benjamin used in Mosiah 4 where he, he says, see that all things are done in wisdom and order. So with the missionaries... We used to emphasize, you do not have to serve all 18 months or 24 months in your first week. Just go day by day, work at it each day, and the Lord will help you along the way. And I, I think that perspective helped them a lot. Yeah, excellent. Thank it's fascinating. I mean, we talked about the First Presidency again. We're talking about missionaries. I mean, there is a P-Day. I mean, we, we talk about some of these things, but there is, regardless of what people are choosing to do there, there is a different focus, perhaps. Maybe it's a family focus, or maybe it's a time to, to do laundry and clean the car and things like that. But to change things up, I think, is also yeah. extremely important. To not run faster than you have strength. Right. And, and there is also the Lord's grace, because we're never going to do things perfect, especially at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And to make a mistake and know that I tried my hardest, but I, I didn't quite do it the way I wanted, but the Lord is there to help make up the difference mm -hmm. is very reassuring, I think. Yeah. Absolutely.
Thank you for that. So this has been an excellent discussion on how the Lord requires a, the heart, our hearts and, uh, and a willing mind. I'm wondering now if we can transition a little bit and talk about living the principle of forgiveness. Yeah, th this principle of forgiveness is taught throughout uh, the Doctrine and Covenants again, but we see specifically in section 64 uh, the Lord asking for the, the members of the church to forgive each other. Mm. Like we see in verse three, um, the Lord actually saying, I have forgiven you of your sins. And then later on, we see in, in verse nine, wherefore I say unto you that ye ought to forgive one another. For he that forgiveth not his brother, his trespasses standeth condemned before the Lord, mm. for there remaineth in him the greater sin. Yeah. I think we can continually see that throughout the Doctrine and Covenants. Mm. I think we see from Joseph Smith at the very beginning with, with Martin Harris and, and struggling with, with those early historical accounts and those 116 pages. And then we see, you know, the fighting and things that's going on among the saints. And we're going to continue to see this as, we're, as the saints are trying to build Zion, that the Lord is going to require them to forgive each other. There's going to be a lot of difficulty. I mean, we're going to see some major problems coming on in, mm -hmm. in Kirtland, Ohio, and, and difficulties and contention among the brethren and members of the church and, and families. But the Lord keeps forgiving over and over and over again. When people are willing to give their, their heart to the Lord, when they have their mind, when they're willing to sacrifice and willing to put the Lord first, the Lord is quick to forgive. And he doesn't require perfection. None of them are perfect, which is to me is also very, very fascinating. Mm -hmm. But he does require them to be on that process and, and on that trail of moving forward. Mm -hmm. Sarah? I think that the most difficult forgiveness that we can give is to ourselves because we allow that voice to say, oh, you should have, or you could have, or why didn't you? And being able to make peace with, you did the best you could with the knowledge you had at the time, and being able to let go of that pain and forgive yourself allows the atonement to truly work in your life and to believe God when he says, I've forgiven you, yeah. because you've been able to work through that process of forgiving yourself as well. One of the things that continually surprises me in, in my life is how willing God is to bless me and forgive me when I don't think I deserve it. Uh, it's, it's incredibly important. I think it's almost a spiritual gift to just be open to forgiving yourself, right? To, to allowing that atonement to take place in your life. I think that idea of the Lord helping us forgive and be forgiven is a great example of the pattern of discipleship. It's the example of a willing heart and mind is that you're willing to continue down the path and he's there to help. Thank you, Chris. Okay. Christ has the power to forgive and the power to heal and the power to make whole. I love Elder Holland as well. He says, when something is over and done with, when it has been repented of as fully as it can be repented of, when life has moved on as it should and a lot of other wonderful things have happened since then, it is not right to go back and open up some ancient wound that the Son of God himself died trying to heal. And then you have this, this verse 10. This is interesting. He says, for I, the Lord, uh, will forgive whom I will forgive, but of you it is required to forgive all men and all, all people. And this is interesting because oftentimes we, the Lord requires us, or rather invites us to imitate his characteristics. We have to love like the Lord and serve like the Lord and be patient like the Lord and compassionate and merciful like the Lord. And yet here he's saying, I want you to be different from me. He says, I want you to forgive everybody, but I'm gonna forgive who I'm gonna forgive. So why do you think the expectation is different there? Yeah, Sarah. So I think there's two reasons that the Lord asks us to forgive everyone when he won't necessarily do so. Um, one is that he knows the hearts and so he has that power of discernment, but also because there's a healing power in forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And when I was younger, that was a very difficult thing for me. 
um, a very egregious act was committed against one of my family members. And there were a lot of people that rallied for and in behalf of the perpetrator. And I felt very offended, very angry uh, towards those people. And a few years later, I was also praying and the Lord brought into my mind, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And it just hit me in that moment that they didn't realize what had actually happened. They didn't understand the situation. And me holding a grudge and being angry and carrying that weight and that burden all these years wasn't going to help me. And it wasn't hurting them. Mm -hmm. It was hurting me. So being able to let go of that and forgive was a healing thing for myself. Mm -hmm. And you brought up something to that. Did you feel like in the act of forgiving, you had to welcome the perpetrator back into your life? Or what did the forgiveness look like for you? Uh, for me, it was more of a recognizing that their choices were their choices. Yes, mm -hmm. they affected my family, but I was able to separate myself from the situation and just feel peace. Yeah. And I think that's important to recognize, too, because uh, forgiveness, again, isn't negating what happened. It's not saying that their uh, actions were acceptable, but it is finding that peace with it, right? And not kind of holding the grudge, which could be corrosive. These comments remind me a lot of this insight from Elder Christofferson about how the Savior helps us forgive, especially when it's difficult. Mm -hmm. Elder Christofferson said, quote, the Savior's suffering in Gethsemane and his agony on the cross redeem us from sin by satisfying the demands that justice has upon us. He extends mercy and pardons those who repent. The atonement also satisfies the debt justice owes to us by healing and compensating us for any suffering we innocently endure. That fact that the atonement lends us strength when we need to forgive mm. is, I think, just a remarkable thing about its reach. Yeah. I was teaching a Doctrine and Covenants class, actually, and one of my students, and they were talking about forgiveness and, and this being so important to forgive others, and somebody made the comment, and it was a very important comment about how difficult it is to forgive in, in difficult situations, especially something such as abuse. Um, one of my students raised her hand and she said, I agree that it's difficult, but it can be done. And she expressed something that has stood out to me for a long time. She said, when she was a young woman, she was uh, raped by somebody in her ward. And she said it was extremely, of course, extremely difficult for her. But she said what was more difficult was having to forgive him. But even more difficult than that was her father having to forgive this man. And she said, my father was the bishop. And this man was asking for repentance and forgiveness. She talked a little bit about the situation and she said, the most freeing thing that happened to me as a young woman was when my father came home and told me that he had forgiven the perpetrator because she said it allowed me to forgive him and to be free and not to have my father continually speak negatively about this man. And she said, it helped me to recognize that God was the judge and I was free to move on with my life without having to continually put this man down and talk horribly about him. I thought that was a beautiful thing for her to share. And I hope, that, I hope we understand, but in saying that, I don't mean to minimize the importance of how difficult it can be to forgive. And sometimes, as Elder Scott talks about, it takes a while to forgive. And sometimes it's very difficult, and that's okay. We turn to the Lord, and He is with us, and we're in that process. But we can forgive with the Lord, and forgiveness really is that balm of Gilead that we need. Yeah, and just to echo that, I think sometimes maybe it won't come in our lifetime, but I think working towards it, that can happen now. Yeah, right? yeah. I do know that even if you can't 
forgive 100%, you can forgive 2% or 3% or 4%. Like Progress can be made, I think. So this has been a great discussion on um, living the principle of forgiveness. Uh, thank you so much for your comments and your insights and uh, your unique perspectives. So Chris, we want to thank you especially. Thank you so much for your thoughts and insights. Your experiences have been extremely helpful here and also for helping us get into the scriptures and better understand how to apply them in our day as well. So thank you so much. We'd also like to thank you and our audience. Thank you for your thoughts and insights. Uh, you've, you've stretched a little bit. You've been able to talk to us and we appreciate your questions and your, your comments and even some of those things that weren't said. Thank you for the spirit that you brought today. Yeah, uh, and to you, those of you at home as well, thank you for your comments and questions and insights that you shared with us via social media. Uh, we'd love to have you join us sometime here in the studio, but if you can't, uh, we hope you'll tune in next week for Come Follow Up. Thanks. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.